Welcome to the Tech Today podcast, powered by CEO Raider. It's your host, John Mayetta. Check us out online at ceoraider.com. Visit us at techtoday.com, T-E-K, number two day. And check out our latest content, which as of late, it's been centered around the economy and economic data, given that what we're going through is a period that's sort of a once in a lifetime period. Certainly once in my lifetime, and we haven't seen anything like this since the Great Depression. And I believe that investors who are of the mind that we are in a V recovery are frankly insane. They're ignoring the incoming data. And we've written about that. If you're following us at the video podcast, you can see our content here on the right-hand margin. And we published an article fairly recently. I believe it was a V recovery is not in the cards. I think that's the one where we had. Yeah, we gave a number of puts to the economy. Economic reasons why, so we believe the V recovery will not occur. Real economy related, business related, supply chain related. What we did not cover was the risk around a return of COVID, which is very real. I just wanted to stick to uh, sort of business operational issues, supply chain issues, that sort of thing for the purposes of this article. So you can read through that. The one we published, we published a couple recently. Over the weekend, we published a series of, of economic charts, which you can see here, which sort of speak to um, unemployment, federal spending, the Fed's growing balance sheet, low interest rates, the liquidity the Fed's pumped into the system really since 2008, the fact that PE multiples are low because the E, the earnings number, is high. So there's a, a series of charts that we walk through and we provide commentary on. So I'd encourage you to check out that. And in the article that I published earlier today is entitled, The Fed is Crowding Out Private Capital. And the United States is becoming socialist light, much like Western Europe, where we have sort of these rolling quantitative easing programs where we pump liquidity into the system we keep interest rates artificially low. This is what's propping up the equity markets at the moment. The most recent stimulus plan is the the Fed pumping in uh, capital, purchasing direct issues in the corporate bond market, both direct issues of, of high-grade and high-yield securities as well as ETFs. And so this is going to solve... Nothing other than keeping the equity market afloat, which is obviously a, a politicized move. You know, come the general election, election that's something the Trump administration will be able to point to. Hey, look, the equity markets uh, uh, is is we 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 able to to maintain valuation levels. We must be doing a great job. Meanwhile, the underlying economy is is weakened, and you're creating. The issue I probably take the most 
uh, objection to is, is the moral hazard issue, whereby companies who are suffering to one degree or another, <clears throat> excuse me, we're bailing out. You know, if you think about the airlines, well, do we need to have as many airlines as we do? Why don't we force a rationalization, some merger activity upon the industry, consolidate the industry, and then say where we are, where we are before we, we write checks? Small business stimulus. I think I talked about this on a, an earlier podcast. Rather than run around like chickens with their heads cut off and, and running a fire drill and immediately cutting a check for small business, why not qualify those businesses up front? Who are the applicants? And really take a strategic approach. Instead of using a hammer, use a scalpel. And set some qualification standards up front as to what are the criteria that businesses are going to have to meet in order to qualify for this SBA loan program. You know, the one that we, the, the first one that we did back in in March and in part two that we did in, in uh, late April. And I realize that if you're methodical about it and you take a couple of weeks, several weeks to create some well-thought-out standards that in the meantime some businesses may go under, I can promise you there are thousands of businesses. Millions. What do we have? 20-something small businesses across the U.S., including those with, uh, with one person at home. There'll be millions of businesses that are going to close their doors over these next several years, small businesses, regardless of PPP the SBA programs because of our ham-fisted approach. So I would have preferred that we took our time and took several weeks to qualify applicants up front and then measure the effectiveness of that program before we cut a second check, a second series of SBA PPP loans to small business. And that too, of course, was politically driven, like like everything is. Right? We want to act now so we can show we're doing something. Who gives a damn how effective it is? At least come election time, it's something I could point to. Hey, we acted quickly. We acted swiftly with, with large sums of capital. We did everything we could. Created a mess is, is what we've done. So I'm not picking on small business. I'm picking on the way we execute um, at the at the federal level. And so by not allowing the economy to sort of run its natural course, the natural business cycle, by propping up equity markets, fixed income markets by quote-unquote propping up small business, which we're not, by the way. We're just putting some money in their pockets, but we're not propping up the business. If a brick-and-mortar retailer is on its way out, if it's getting disrupted by e-commerce, 
us cutting a check to that brick and mortar retailer that's a dinosaur that's on its way out anyway is just prolonging the inevitable and it's wasting capital that could otherwise be allocated to a business that really needs it and that could better leverage that capital. Similarly, with respect to uh, people, right? These income stimulus packages where we're putting money into people's bank accounts. I can't tell you how many articles and how many comments I've read online where uh, people, most of who, who I assume are hourly wage workers, uh, prefer to stay home and collect a check because the amount is greater than what they would earn at work. So you're providing a disincentive to get people to work. So you're actually harming productivity. Right, so you have a taxpayer base that's subsidizing a portion of the population who now is demotivated to work. So you're hurting productivity. You're hurting productivity in a country where if GDP is north of 3%, everybody thinks they're doing a fantastic job. So these stimulus programs, these quote-unquote safety nets, welfare is what I call it. Whether it's corporate welfare or people welfare. It's, it's nonsense. It's harming the long-term productivity of the country. I'm all for, as I said on the small business side, qualifying businesses. And those who have, have, a, have a history, a record of strong operating performance, but are suffering hardship, but they've demonstrated they can leverage capital effectively, fine, we, we cut them some sort of a, a check. Same with people. People who have been productive, they've got family members at home, you want to supply some emergency uh, financial assistance, fine. But if a family is bringing in, bringing in total household income of X, you can't cut them a check for X plus. Because the minute you do that, you demotivate productivity. If the, if the, the family unit's going to generate more income by staying home, than working, they're going to stay home. So you've got to be strategic and tactical about how you go about executing these uh, federal stimulus plans. Because otherwise we're going to look like Western Europe. We have no growth, no interest rates, so you can't find yield. You pump liquidity in the system, so now you artificially inflate asset valuations, which we're, we're, we've seen in the equity markets. Little by little since the 2008 downturn, just got out of control in 2019, particularly at, at the end of the year. I mean, even if you back out the, the 
the, the, the big uptick that you had in equity market valuations in the December, Jan, Feb 19, Feb 2020 period, even if you back out that, that peak, we're still near all-time high valuations right now. And the economy is worse off than it was in the Great Depression. It doesn't make any sense. And the only reason the market is there is because at the federal level, we've inflated valuations by pumping in so much liquidity. What's the old saying? If it lives, tax it. Uh, if it grows, regulate it. If it dies, subsidize it. So in the article, we talk a little bit about you know, the Fed's balance sheet, which is just out of control. It's already approaching $7 trillion. It's probably going to approach $10 trillion before we're done with, with QE this calendar year. Fed funds rate, we've talked about that, the NASDAQ. Corporate debt. I mean, we, we just keep encouraging companies to issue debt given that interest rates have been so low since 2008. And now you have the Fed in the market via BlackRock allocating, what's the number, $750 billion to, to buy corporate debt. And you know what companies are doing with it. They're, they're, they're buying back stock. Another reason why you've seen equity valuations be inflated. Issue cheap debt, buy back stock at a minimum, it puts a floor on the stock, and it creates uh, demand for the stock, driving it higher. And oh, by the way, then oftentimes executive management teams sell their options into the buyback, which is just a terrible look. You're instituting a buyback and then you're selling into the buyback. Even if you're selling into the window, if you're not selling directly into it. I forget, I can't remember what the what the, the reg is around that where you have to not execute a buyback for a period of days and then you're allowed to, as an exec, as a named executive officer, you're allowed to, to sell. But effectively what you're doing is you're selling into the buyback, whether or not you meet the the silly reg. It's still a bad look. It's a conflict of interest. It's it's more than a bad look. It's outrageous. So you've got corporate malfeasance and you've got moral hazard rampant across the, the, the capital markets. And there's no better time to illustrate those facts than this current period, what we're what we're going through. So it's gonna be fascinating to see. We're coming out of this COVID period, let's say 2022, where the Fed's balance sheet is going to be. Interest rates, I assume, will remain low. Balance sheet's probably north of $12 trillion by then, where the equity market will be. If you fast forward 10 years, where the, where's the Fed's balance sheet going to be? Should COVID come back or should we have another pandemic? Well, guess what? Now we have precedence as to how we're going to treat that. Throw trillions of taxpayer-funded uh, capital at the problem, create a ton of liquidity, keep the equity market afloat, don't do anything to structurally 
repair the economy. Just, you know, execute a bunch of surface-level transactions to kind of make things look good at a surface level, but to not resolve the, the underlying problem. I had a, a, a not really a discussion. It was a, we just kind of went back and forth a friend of mine on, on text today. And we were talking about stimulus, what I'm talking about now. And one of the issues we touched upon was, you know, at some point, the federal government's got to got to stop uh, with with the COVID response and pumping liquidity because at at, at some point it's you, you've got to let the disruption occur, and you've got to let these weak weaker businesses go out of business. As I mentioned a, a moment ago, if, if you've got a, a a company that's on its way out of business anyway whether it would be this year or several years down the road because it's losing material share to a competitor who has a rock-solid e-commerce, e-commerce operation, as an example. Um, you've got to let that natural attrition happen. You can't just assume, as the, the government, that everybody who's suffering, every business that's suffering, is suffering because of covid Right? Some are losing competitive share. They were hurting pre-COVID. They were losing market share. And COVID has just exacerbated it. But if you keep pumping enormous sums of liquidity into the system, not only are you helping those who tr- truly need it, but you're helping a lot of companies that probably don't deserve it, that were on their way out anyway. So you're throwing good capital after bad. So that's all for now. See you all next time.